Hello and welcome back to another episode of Yoga After Dark. Today I have Kimberly Ming-Sul with me and Kimberly is coming in from Norway uh, where she lives. Though soon, once she starts talking, you will discover that uh, her, her accent is definitely not from Norway. And Kimberly and I met a little while back in, in Florida, in Miami. Uh, I was there to uh, study with Sharat uh, on one of his world's tours, and so was she, and a mutual friend of ours introduced us on one of Miami's fabulous beaches. So welcome, Kimberly. So good to have you here. Thank you so much, Michael. It's good to be here. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. So let me start off by asking you, uh, now that you are in Norway, and me knowing that you are not from Norway, how, how did you manage to get yourself to Norway? Why are you there? I met the most wonderful person when I was a freshman in university in the United States. I bumped into this young man several times during the course of the day. And later on that same evening, he threw a rock at my dorm window and asked me if I would go out for steak and potato with him. <laughs> That's so romantical. I of course, he's from Norway, and I, I knew right away that he wasn't a local, but I wasn't sure where he was from, but mm -hmm. now I know. <laughs> and now you know, and you, and you followed along, apparently, or grew together. <laughs> We've been living in Norway now for 16 years. We've been married 30 years, so we had good time in the States for a while, and then uh, meandered across the pond. Good for you. So, uh, you have a... A little yoga enclave where you are in uh, in Lillehammer. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Lillehammer. Lillehammer. Or Lillehammer. Uh, I'm not even going to try that one, but but thank you. <laughs> Lil. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll save that for later. I'll practice on my own. Um, <laughs> so you have this little yoga enclave, but I know that uh, you know coming from a place that uh, has a lot of. Um, Ashtanga going on. Certainly, I'm here in New York City. Uh, we have Ashtanga on every corner. And, you know, we met in Miami, where which has a very large uh, practicing group of Ashtangis. How is it being in a little hammer um, and, and being, uh, being one of very few practicing Ashtangis? Well, it... it, it it means that, that I am the teacher here as far as Ashtanga yoga is concerned, or I would say the seasoned teacher in this little town. So I have to venture out to continue to get teaching for myself. So I share my knowledge of Ashtanga with a very new group of Ashtangas. Ashtanga is very, very new in Lillehammer. It's, uh, I would say, maybe just over the past five years has have people begin to realize what Ashtanga is in, in Lillehammer. Um, it's more popular in the larger cities such as Oslo, but that's a two and a half, three hour drive from me. So I can't pop down there for a class weekly or regularly even, so I have to travel. I have to travel to get out and, and find good quality, seasoned, experienced teachers that can continue to help me learn because I'm a student. I'm learning every single day. Aren't we all, or, or, or shouldn't we all be considering ourselves students? I, I, would, I would hope anyway. Um, so how do you, you just mentioned, you know, quality seasoned teachers. 
Um, I, you know, I have a few teachers in my life that I, that I've kind of attached myself to and that, and that I follow around. Um, how do you figure out who you want to travel to, who you want to study with? Well, I do research. I talk to my friends and acquaintances in the Ashtanga world that's all over the world. And, uh, it's by trial and error and i've been very very lucky i have not run into any bad apples it's all been a wonderfully positive experience for me um but mostly you know it's just through the lineage you, you start with Sharat, and then suddenly you hear about david swinson is popping up somewhere and then kino's in stockholm and then tim is in denmark and i just follow them around like a little puppy all of them and and just try to absorb like a sponge all the knowledge that i can anything that i can bring back to help my students with i'm all about how do you stay open as it, it's a it, it's an interesting thing and i've i've experienced it a bit in my practicing and teaching life when you become the person that's sharing the information when you become the teacher person um how do you keep your mind open? How do you keep yourself open so that you can absorb other knowledge like a sponge, as you just said, when you're also in the vein of constantly giving information to others? So I'm constantly reminding myself that, that I'm, I'm a student. I try to learn something from any yoga experience I have outside my own studio when someone asks me a question and they approach me and they start to ask me about something before i even begin listening to what they're about to ask me i remind myself if you don't know the answer let them know that you don't know the answer and that you will find somebody that does know the answer i try to keep myself in that box i i i do not know everything and i realize that i don't know everything but I do have a lot of resources and I'm willing to share these resources. That's such a wonderful question. I'm sorry. Did I, did I answer your question? I think you did answer the question. And I think the, the best thing about what you just said is that uh, you remind yourself that you, that you don't, if you don't know the answer, that you let people know that you don't know the answer. And, uh, and that is something that's always been very wonderful about a lineage system to me is that I don't have to know all the answers. Um, I don't have to make things up. I can always say, well, I don't know. So I'll ask my teacher. And if my teacher doesn't know, then they can ask their teacher, um, et cetera, et cetera. And eventually, of course, you, you end up uh, trying to ask a dead person because that's the way lineages work. But, but then you kind of, you go out to the whole Sangha, you know, you have this whole community of people that you can, that you can reference and you can ask and you can get that, that information when you, the person in the teaching position, really doesn't know, and, which is such a valuable thing. And, and I, I do see it um, being lost in some corners of the yoga world, which scares me a little bit. Um, I do see people who kind of, have this, uh, the I know everything uh, banner on their forehead, which, uh, which I think is a little dangerous, honestly. 
Um, how do you keep up your own practice, Kimberly? Um, if you're there in a in a smaller community and and you're kind of the de facto uh, teacher person, how how have you managed to keep up your practice all of these years? It's self practice, home practice. It's uh, being as as dedicated as I can when I can, and uh, communicating, talking to other friends. How was your practice today? I mean, internet has made this world so small now, so it's quite simple for us to to chit chat with our friends and how was your practice today? Mine sucked. Okay. Well, that's great. At least I tried. <laughs> I'm thinking of a, a particular friend that I tend to message a lot. Uh, she's one of the only people I, I tend to talk to at length about my practice anymore since I'm mostly doing it by myself in the dark uh, very early in the morning, but she and I have been practicing together for many, many years. And so uh, we, we often get, I often get the text message that says, well, that sucked. How was yours? <laughs> that was yours today. <laughs> how do, um, you know, how do you get through those sucky days? <laughs> Tell me that. <laughs> you know, tomorrow's a new day and I, and I don't beat myself up about it. If, if I had zero balance and couldn't stand on two feet today, well, okay. I know tomorrow will be better. Good. It's good to stay optimistic like that. Yeah. Hmm. So uh, you have, I was going to come to Norway uh, in, in a couple months. And now that we are dealing with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, I am, I am no longer coming to Norway in a couple months. I'm staying right here in Queens, New York. Um, but I was going to come for a yoga festival. Will you, will you tell me a bit about this yoga festival and uh, why you, why it began, what it, what it is this year was supposed to be our second annual yoga festival and you were going to be a headliner along with Andrew Seeley and Topeka Chalke from India and we were so excited about it because our first year was so small and so intimate we had um, uh, Joseph Armstrong come in as our only one headliner and it was so positive and, and we had so much interest in the festival growing that we were able to bring in three headliners this year. Uh, even though interest is growing, it's still very, very intimate. It is not a yoga festival on the American Yoga Scale Festival where you've got multiple, multiple classes going on simultaneously. It's one class at a time, very intimate. The biggest class would be maximum 50 to 60 people, and some of the classes would be so intimate as 10 to 12 people. But three local yoga teachers, including myself, uh, Hega Norman Stormbringer and uh, Christina Notvig, we decided that we wanted to, instead of traveling here and there, going to various workshops on our own, trying to better ourselves, why not start bringing quality teachers to our little town as a reward or a gift to our students? Because I would often find myself talking to my students. Oh, yeah, Charlotte is coming to Stockholm, so I'm going to go to Stockholm. You guys should come. And they never do. So we started trying to bring these teachers or some teachers here. Charlotte, of course, I'm not sure I'll ever get him to Lillehammer, but <laughs> hey, girl can dream. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's kind of a if you, if you build it, they will come mentality. 
That's yeah. exactly what the thought is. And, it, and it's solely to um, generate excitement in our local yoga community. Because like I said earlier, the, the yoga community in Lillehammer is very, very small. And no one realizes how diverse yoga is. So I have my handful of Ashtangis that think Ashtanga is yoga. And then I've got a handful of yin yogis that think laying down on the floor with a pillow in an uncomfortable position for a long time is yoga. So I just, you know, as a treat, introduce people to more. Broaden horizons. <laughs> I think we could all use a little bit of uh, horizon broadening, honestly. Uh, you know, us ashtanga folks sometimes sometimes i think we uh we do a little bit of an ostrich in the sand uh head in the sand technique you know where we do like to close ourselves off from some of the other things that are out there uh which is you know good and bad in in my opinion it's a, it's a double-edged sword um you know how do you uh introduce diversity and also introduce um excitement or let's use the word fun uh, <laughs> and make sure that the quality is still there well first of all I'm not going to introduce anything that I haven't tried myself I want to make sure that uh, I'm not promoting some hocus-pocus thing I want to make sure it's uh, quality legitimate and sound and I, I, I want to maintain respect and integrity from my own students. So I do my research. Good. You know, that's a, an interesting thing. I, you don't, you don't um, present anything that you haven't tried yourself. Um, exactly. So for example, before I uh, invite someone to yoga festival, we as a group, we get together, the three of us that are involved, we, we discuss the fact that uh, who should we invite and why. And usually it's because we have either taken a class with them before and really learned something, really enjoyed it and thought it would be beneficial, or we know that teacher in a way that, for example, I have practiced with you. I have spent time with you, with Sharat before, so I know that you know what you're talking about. And then I do all kinds of research by following up on where you're teaching and who your students are and then the comments that you're getting from them because that's what I want to share with my students. I, I like that. Um, you, you know, you got to get out there and you have to, you either got to take a class with someone or, or practice, you know, practice in the same space as them. I think it's, yeah really nice when you when you get to practice along with, with someone you're interested in learning from um, there's there's definitely something to uh, the uh, the do what I do and not what I say type of mentality uh, when it comes when it comes to yoga you know you can you can really watch uh, a quote unquote yogi or I think you should be able to watch a yogi and uh, emulate how they lead their life um you know as part as part of your practice or at least that's what i have tried to do in my in my own practice is look at my teachers as you know how how they actually you know hold themselves and and what their discipline 
routine is and all of that stuff and, and take that as a guide, um, as a silent guide, if you, if you will. Absolutely. So you, uh, you know about something that uh, I would like to know more about um, because I know just from talking to you that you, you kind of specialize in uh, teaching yoga for women who are going through the, the, the next phase of their life, um, the more mature lady. Uh, so can you tell me about uh, that change? And, and what happens to the yoga practice, maybe what to expect, especially for our listeners who might be my students, which means that unfortunately they're uh, studying under a still relatively young man. <laughs> sure. It's, you know, it, it, it's something once when we begin aging and, and now I'm speaking for men and women, things start changing. Your, our bodies are changing. Everything about us, inside us, outside of us, around us is changing constantly. So when it comes to meeting up on your mat every single day, and we, Ashtangis particularly, have been regimented and, you know, six days a week, and you just show up on your mat and do it. And then, yeah, there are lady days. You can take your lady day free. Well, what exactly is a lady day? Because everybody's lady day is completely different. Is, is my lady day just one of the seven days? Or is it three of the seven days? Or And then you start going through perimenopause. When your lady day might last three months without stopping. And then you get a day off and then you're on again with a lady day again or a moon day or however you want to refer to your menstrual cycle. But another thing that we Ashtangis hear often is, oh, all the rules and regulations about moon days. Not just take this amount of time off, it's you can't go upside down or you shouldn't go upside down or you shouldn't practice at all, or you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that. But I really feel like firmly that when it comes to aging, you've got to set the rules aside and you've got to start focusing on you yourself and listening to your body. And if your body feels like practicing, practice. If your body feels like doing half of a practice, do half of a practice. If your body needs to take the day off, take the day off. That's what I think is most important. Listen to your own body. So Kimberly, tell me, how do, how do you listen to your own body? Because I think that the body and the mind are highly capable of playing tricks on us. I mean, cause I know, you know, obviously I'm sure you go through this. There are days you wake up and you're just like, this is not the day for me to practice. And I just do not want to be on the mat. And I do not want to do Chattwari position another freaking time. But then I, I press through it and I feel a lot better. And I, I gain that self-worth and I gain that energy from it. Um, how, how do I tell the difference between that day and then a day when I really should just take it easy and, and, and let that go? Well, if I'm feeling lazy, which is often, <laughs> I do my best to force myself to get on the mat, even if I were having a light menstrual flow. 
I get on the mat and I practice. But a person typically knows that when they're at that point in their menstrual cycle that they get a really good assist in Marichasana D, <laughs> things are going to happen all over the mat. Accidents are going to happen. It happens to everybody. And I feel like those are the days if you're going to find yourself in an uncomfortable situation, either physically, emotionally, or mentally, take rest. That sounds and true. Most people know, mm -hmm. which maybe explains why sometimes as a teacher, you have a female come in and, and feel compelled to tell you, uh, I'm having a moon day today or I'm having a lady day today. I'm sure that's happened to you before. Oh, and definitely. they're not just trying to share their deepest personal secrets or life with you. Most of them, maybe some of them are, but most of them I deeply feel like they're letting you know, maybe don't assist me too deeply today because you might get the unexpected. Yeah. Well, and you know, in my shala, um, I leave the option open for, for all the ladies. If they're, if they're on their menstrual cycle, they can come in and they can do a yin practice if they want, uh, because that's something I teach and also something that um, one of my teachers, uh, Louise, has taught me, um, which I found incredibly valuable. Uh, so I do have several women that will come in and they'll just put their mat down and they'll do a yin practice for half an hour or an hour within the Mysore setting which personally i'm i'm totally okay with and i i support um i don't know you know if other teachers out there are willing to do that or not <laughs> i think that's marvelous why thank you <laughs> mm. so um <clears throat> i feel I, like yes i feel like the yoga practice really helps with our hormone imbalances. Maybe it's in my head, but I, I do feel like that, that my personal practice has helped me significantly through the perimenopausal and now menopausal days. Um, I, maybe I'm just lucky, but I haven't had near the hot flashes. Yes, I have had hot flashes, but I haven't had near the bad experiences and the, the discomforts that my friends that don't practice yoga have had and I've, I've had a lot of conversations about this with with some of my lady friends but um i i think there's something something to be said there's some real truth in it there <laughs> you <laughs> this is this is a bit of an aside and a, a bit of a personal story but um so my grandmother, who is now deceased, and I don't remember when she went through menopause because I was too young for, for that period of her life. But my grandfather, uh, who is still alive, he has, uh, he has prostate cancer and has for many years at this point. And so they, uh, you know, he has gone through uh, different uh, treatments for it, one of, or, one of which is estrogen. And so during that time, he started getting menopausal symptoms and he started getting flashes, uh, hot flashes. And one day he shows up and uh, he always wore a, a baseball cap. And uh, on the baseball cap is a pin uh, that says, I'm hot. 
now it just comes in flashes, which my grandmother was forcing <laughs> him to wear around town because she thought that him having hot flashes was the most hilarious thing in the world. That is entertaining. <laughs> well, that's where I'm, I come from. People in my family tend to be very open about these things. Um, and I think in the yoga community, we need to be a little bit more open about these things. We need to be more open about the menstrual cycle, more open about uh, menopause, and, and more open definitely about aging and how yeah. age affects the practice and how the practice is going to change with age um, yes. and talk about it. I feel like it for, I don't know, I just get this feeling that it's something we kind of push under the rug for some reason. Or we start beating ourselves up about it. Like, for example, when you start getting uh, that spare tire around the waist as a perimenopausal person because you can't do your practice every single day like you have been used to, and that spare tire is causing you to lose particular asana, like suptakamasana, um, people start beating themselves up about it emotionally. That... Uh, they can't do what they were doing when they were younger. So then they start pushing, making things more difficult than they need to be. They don't take the rest or the time off they need to take off. I promise all of you ladies out there, the poses do come back. Just be patient. Take the time off when you're having those three-month-long cycles. And then suddenly you're in the glory days of menopause, and then you're not menstruating anymore, and you can practice every single day with no excuse to rest. So take your rest while you can. <laughs> That's great. Yes, please, everyone, take your rest while you can. Um, I think and I same with mothers, young mothers, or, or ladies that are expecting the exact same thing. Take your rest while you can, because pretty soon there is, there's a period of time that there's absolutely no rest for the weary. And then you have time to rest again or time to practice again. Yeah, go ahead and relax while it's available to you. Don't right? beat yourself up and don't take it too seriously. Oh, thank you for saying that, Kimberly. Really, it's just yoga, people. Oh, the only thing that is in jeopardy here is, in, is your immortal soul. And the immortal soul can't be in jeopardy because it's immortal. So don't worry about it, you know? <laughs> it's just a matter of time, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I wish I... Uh, I wish I could relax a little bit more, Kimberly. Honestly, I am not the type of person that's very good at it. And I, I never have been. Um, do you have any advice for, for people like me who just have a, a harder time uh, letting go and, and allowing, you know, being guilt-free about taking a little time to chill out? I don't have advice for you because I, I've been there myself. And it's just the nature of life. But I certainly have not been beating myself up since I have surpassed 50 plus. So I'm learning to slow down and not take things and, and anything so incredibly seriously anymore. Not just yoga, but anything. I don't let anything beat me up. Somebody pops in and there's dust on the table, that's okay. I really don't care anymore. I'd rather sit down and have a cup of coffee with somebody than be running around dusting tables while they're there in my presence. So uh, let it go. 
don't sweat the small stuff, all these cliche things that we've all heard. Uh, it, it, there's truth in it. This is something that um, I have heard time and again from most of my students that are 50 plus. And I have a, I have a, I have a gaggle of students that are 50 plus and they go, currently they go all the way up to 73. Um, and, and I definitely hear that through line of, uh, it's not that big a deal, you know? No. Go, go ahead and, and, and enjoy yourself and, and that also, somehow, as you get older, it becomes easier to enjoy your time and, and easier not to give a, not to give a shit about, <laughs> about the little things. There's truth in that. There's, there's absolutely truth in that. I mean, you know, we're, we have so many different phases in our lives that we're just running like crazy people, chickens with our head cut off, uh, chasing our tails trying to make ends meet, running from this job to that job, or then if you have a family, you spend, you're burning candles at both ends trying to take care of the children. Once you finally get to the age that the kids are grown, they're out of the house, you've, the, the job is now kind of in place, you've built whatever it is you're trying to create for yourself, things do slow down and, and you can enjoy the moment in the moment a little more that that does simply happen and, and you're able to relax and just pay attention and spend quality time doing the things you choose that you want to do you finally realize you know what i really don't need to do this anymore i don't like doing this so why do i bother we start being selective about what we spend our time on who we spend our time with and yeah it, it things do get m much easier with age, so don't dread the aging of life. Enjoy it, just like yoga. It's a journey. Enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so tell me then, Kimberly, uh, what are you selectively spending your time on now? Well, I can tell you one of the things I recently stopped doing: ice swimming. Oh, ice? I'm sorry, what? Ice swimming? Ice swimming, yes. I recently stopped doing that. I used to love it. Absolutely love it. What happened was, I'm from Florida originally, and the next door neighbor uh, called me and says, group of girls are going to get together and start ice swimming. Are you interested? Mmm, Florida girls thinking. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that, so I started doing research, and one thing I have certainly learned is if you Google long enough, you will find the answer you're looking for. <laughs> Eventually, first I got, you know, I read you could have a heart attack, it could cause this, all of these negative things that it could cause. And then I eventually got around to, oh, it gets rid of cellulite, da 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 da. I called it right back and I said, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> Every Thursday morning at seven o'clock with a local ice swimming group called Lips. Lillehammer, East Pickis, that's what it is in the in Norwegian, uh, Lillehammer ice swimmers, ladies. Um, anyway, and I did this every Thursday for six years. Wow. And it was actually the whole perimenopause thing when I didn't feel like ice swimming anymore, but I was forcing myself to go. And I don't know, there's something about being 
hormonal, premenstrual, uh, things seem to hurt more. Like if you go to get your legs waxed or whatever, it hurts more. Well, ice swimming does too. And I just found myself getting more and more uncomfortable. And finally I said to myself, stop beating yourself up, Kim. You're not liking this right now. Take a break, take rest. So I did. So, but I am spending more time uh, out in nature, uh, in the mountains, uh, swimming in warm water, um, <laughs> spending time in my garden, picking weeds or uh, just putzing around, reading books. Good. Having I coffee with those I want to have coffee with or um, being a hermit for a solid weekend and not going out of the house and just hanging out with whatever family members happen to be home that weekend. I want to uh, circle back to something you just said, because uh, it really interests me. And it's something I've been talking to my students about recently. Um, I've been talking in the context of Wikipedia, not in the context of Google. But you said, you know, if you Google for long enough, you will find the answer that you are looking for. And it's the same thing. If you Wikipedia for long enough, you will find the answer that you're looking for. Uh, problem is the answer that you're looking for is not always the correct answer, is not always the truth. And so I've been telling my students that I use Wikipedia all the time. I think it's a really um, great resource. But what I find is that if you don't already know something about the subject you are looking up, it is very difficult to avoid the pitfalls of, of the internet. And you easily get drawn into a bunch of misleading or frankly, completely false information. Absolutely. Um, and I know earlier in this, in this little episode, you were talking about doing your research um, on yoga teachers and styles and all that stuff. Um, so, and, and you did mention that, you know, you, you prefer to, to take a class with someone or practice with someone. So, you know, you really get that direct experience, um, which I think is wonderful and, and incredibly good advice for anybody. Uh, but how do you, how do you, how do you wade through the wade through all the information on the internet? How do you figure out what's credible and what's, what's not credible? Or is it luck of the draw? Uh, especially on Wikipedia, because anybody can post there. That's a, can be luck of the draw. Um, I don't know. I, I try to look at the sources. Mm -hmm. what, what am I reading? Am I, am I reading something, uh, a study from Harvard Medical School, or am I reading something that... Uh, John Doe wrote about his mother's story. You know, it's, right. uh, I just try to look at my sources. Good. I wish, you but, know. But still, it's very easy to, to run amok. Uh, <laughs> you know, when you start trying to self-diagnose something, I, my left ear hurts. You start Googling left ear pain, and next thing you know, you're really scared about this. Oh, yeah. No, I, I tell my students all the time, I'm like, whatever you do, just don't go on WebMD because WebMD is going to tell you you have cancer. Everyone has cancer on WebMD. It doesn't matter what, what the issue is. You know, knee pain leads to cancer. You know, a sore throat leads to cancer. Like, it, it's all just cancer on WebMD. Um, <laughs> it's very scary, scary things. Um, 
I, I was gonna say something and I, and I totally just forgot because I got on my little WebMD rant. Oh, now I remember. Um, you're, you're, men you're mentioning sources and I, I personally think that uh, when, I, when I was growing up as a, as, a, as a little yogi, I could look up yoga teachers' bios on the internet, whether on their own websites or on some studio's website where they taught. And I could very easily see, I studied with this person for this many years. I studied with this person for this many years. I did this weekend workshop with this person. And I'm not seeing that anymore. I'm seeing a lot more listing. Like, I want to thank my teachers. And then there's a list of 15 people there. And I'm like, well, you've only been practicing yoga for what two and a half years so how long could have you studied with all these 15 people and right it's a bit of a smoke screen going on which distresses me um, or even less information on yoga alliance <laughs> yeah oh the yoga alliance <laughs> You know, I, I, I'll, I'll take a little segue here because, you know, I, I am deeply distrustful of Yoga Alliance. Um, I just, uh, you know, I've been in this business for over a decade and I have seen many not good things come out of them, frankly. Right. And so anything they do, I take with a grain of salt. But right now, um, for anyone who's listening, they have uh, started a, um, a fund. Uh, and it partnered with two organizations basically to disperse monies to people who are, who are affected by the pandemic, to yoga teachers, yoga schools that are affected by the pandemic. And it looks like a really good thing. Um, so anybody who's listening, who, you know, who is financially hurting right now, who's in the yoga industry, go and go and check that out. Cause it really does look like a good thing. And I'm super, super happy that they're, they're getting involved. Um, finally because there are many things throughout our history that they have chosen to not get involved in that have really pissed me off um but yeah as far as their you know credentials are concerned um i am i do get distressed that anyone can kind of call themselves whatever teacher they want to you know when you register with yoga alliance because i am registered with yoga alliance um you can go into like your little part of their web portal and you can say, I teach um, Ashtanga, Iyengar, Anusara, Shivananda, Yin, Bikram. You can list whatever you want and you don't have to prevent, present any supportive information on why you are qualified to teach any of that. True. And certifications are coming out uh, certifications are being approved or disapproved not only because of what certification they have taken or what program they have taken but just because that particular teacher was also yoga alliance approved there are a lot of teachers out there i am yoga alliance approved i or i pay my, my dues for Yoga Alliance. Right, Yoga exactly. You, you throw money into the great black hole that is That's Yoga Alliance, and they say but, that you're A-OK. -okay. <laughs> I, I, I feel like, I feel like they're, they're trying to do their absolute best 
to, to make sure that, that people that are accredited are genuinely good teachers. But a good teacher is not someone who has simply taken 200 hours from another teacher that had 500 hours. I mean, it's, it, there's a, a lot more involved than just following a line of teachers. I mean, you, uh, that, that just opens up a whole Pandora's box right there of, um, you know, what is a good teacher. And yeah, that's another five podcast episodes, Kimberly. Yeah. Have you back on a rotating schedule. And, and should, should you actually be uh, a part of Yoga Alliance? I mean, really, it, it, that, that's a continuation of, of my sentence that I was saying a while ago. Um, just because should you really be? Um, yeah. It's a, it's a difficult... Uh, it's a difficult decision to make, I think, and it's a difficult discussion to have right. because there are many things at play. Um, but I lost my train of thought, but, but what I was trying to say was, <laughs> but I, I think that they are genuinely trying to accredit legitimately certified and practiced yogis, but I feel like a lot of them are a little underpracticed to be actually given the, the, the baton to begin running. I, I agree with you. I think that a, however many hours it is, 200, 500, 800, 1,000, whatever, training you're going to have. Um, I think there should be, first of all, there should be prerequisite to taking a quote unquote teacher training. You should have to have a certain amount of practice under your belt. Um, and permission of your teacher or your Perfect. teachers to do to do that type of thing, um, to just engage in a training period. Um, right. You know the way, it, the way it's set up now. You can you can walk in the door having never been to a yoga studio, the yoga studio before in your life, and sign up for a training and start the next day. And that that day could be your first day of practicing yoga. You know. That's right. Well, and then 200 hours later, you're a teacher. Many teacher trainings are advertising just that. Um, you know, you, you don't have to want to teach yoga to take this teacher training course. Maybe you want to take this course to learn about yoga, to begin yoga, or to better your new practice or your own practice. And then as soon as they're done, it's like, ooh, teachers are popping up all over like mushrooms. Yeah, and I and don't get me wrong, and I and I don't think I'm misinterpreting you at all. We want people to learn more about yoga. We want Absolutely. people to dive deep into these practices. But learning more about yoga, exploring your own practice, is different than learning to become than training to become a teacher of a yoga system. Correct. And if that was somehow separated out in the uh, in the in the language, I think that that would be helpful. Honestly, I, think so. I was supposed to hold a. Uh, I was supposed to have my one of my teachers, uh, this Louise woman I, I brought up uh, earlier, come and teach over uh, over a couple weekends ago, which obviously I had to cancel during due, due to COVID. Um, 
but I, I titled her, I was putting it in my head for a little while and I titled the time we were going to spend with her, the, the Louise Ellis experience, <laughs> because I wanted everybody to be, to be very sure that it was, it was an experience to be had, you know, and there's definitely something to gain from that, but it, there it, in, in no way is any type of certification or any leveling up of, of anything, you know, it is simply an experience to go and have. And I, I would like to see more of that in the yoga community, people interested in going and having ex an experience and learning what they can, but without the goal of applying that to others, you know, apply it to yourself, um, bring it into your own practice. If it works for you over a long period of time, then maybe start sharing it with others if you're in that position to do so. Um, but, you know, just get out there and learn, right? Just get out there and, and have those experiences. Right. Now, now I'm monopolizing the podcast, Kimberly. Um, <laughs> you got me to talking about one of the topics that I have passion about. <laughs> That's so, good. So Excuse since me, I'm... Right, let me know more about you. Oh, good. So since I'm talking, um, <laughs> I'm going to go through uh, the, uh, the last four questions that I, that I use on the podcast, because the okay. first of those four questions is, do you have anything you want to ask me? Why the podcast? Is oh. it simply <laughs> something to fill the time during these uh, days of abnormalcy? Or is there something you want us to know? Or what do you want to use this platform for? There are, you know, there are a few answers and they're, they're woven together. And uh, I'm not too concerned about which one comes through at the moment. So I've been asked to do a podcast for a while now by various people. And I've always said no, because number one, I'm an extremely opinionated person and I don't need all of those opinions recorded and put on the internet for everybody to hear, especially because people like to listen to things out of context. They enjoy listening to 30 seconds of a 45 minute spiel and then going with it, you know, and I, and I don't like that. Um, I just don't need the, the headache. Uh, and I've also said no, because frankly, it's a lot of work. You know, you gotta, you gotta put in the time. You gotta get the people to interview. You gotta sit with them and interview them. You gotta review all the stuff. You gotta put it, whatever, it's a lot of work. Um, I have always been interested in sharing my opinions about what I see is good and right with the yoga community and where I see the darkness is. And that's part of the reason the podcast is titled Yoga After Dark, because it's conversations that we can, that we're allowed to have after sunset, you know, possibly with a glass of wine in our hands. Um, they don't have to be nice conversations all the time. There can be uh, friendly banter and there can be friendly debate. Um, because I do think there are things in the yoga world currently that are not going so well. And I don't think that the world of yoga is a magical heaven with cotton candy clouds, rainbows, and, and unicorns fluttering about. Um, 
So I want to address some things like that. And then <clears throat> the reason I started the podcast when I did, which coincided with the end of the first week of quarantine here in New York City, um, is because I felt I needed a way to keep in contact with my students, both here in New York and throughout the world, to basically say, hi, I'm still alive. I still care about you. Um, I'm still practicing. I hope that you're still practicing. And here's some information that you may find helpful or at least interesting, or at least it'll get into your brain and you'll start thinking about things, you know? So, so that is, that is why the, uh, that's why the podcast. Which brings me to my second question. My second right? I just wanted to comment. Oh. I really enjoy your podcast. I've listened to all of them. I find you an honest, open, real, entertaining person. And the same goes for your Instagram page. I thoroughly enjoy your content. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad someone is, you know, I never know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so second question, uh, what do you think right now in the world? And, you know, this can have, uh, if you want to discuss this pre COVID current COVID, however you want to take it. What is really awesome and really great about how, how we're practicing yoga now in this day and age? I think a really good yoga community is the absolute most positive thing in the way that we're practicing yoga right now. The support, the understanding of practicing in a safe place with teachers and other students that, that have the same interest. Um, I, I think that gives you, as a yoga student, something fulfilling. Um, it, it's rewarding physically, mentally, emotionally. A good yoga shala with good yoga teachers that is creating a good yoga community. I find that extremely positive. Great. So then, on the flip side, what do you think is most lacking about what we're doing in our yoga world today? I feel like we've already covered this. I think that um, the rate that yoga teachers are popping up all over the world that are uh, becoming yoga teachers before they have really practiced five, 10 years, I, I think, that that's a disservice it, exactly as you stated earlier that uh there, there should be some time some mandatory time that somebody should be forced to clock before they're allowed to even go through ttc because i'm not saying that 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 uh um all brand new yoga teachers are not good because there are some fabulous brand new yoga teachers out there and uh, at the same time, there are some yoga teachers that have been teaching yoga for 20 plus years that really suck. But um, maybe I just want to say the quality of your, your yoga teacher. That's what's negative. Getting lucky and finding that perfect, I guess it comes back to the community because a good yoga teacher is going to create a really good community. And when you've got all that support, 
it's positive if you don't have that support and if you don't have good guidance and integrity that's a negative in the yoga service today you know um i don't know if you've been following the news in new york at all but uh now that we're new york city we're not using the subways as much and uh and we're not uh we don't have as much garbage in the subways we're having a problem with our rats because the rats are still breeding at the at the rate that rats breed but they don't have enough garbage to consume so they're becoming cannibalistic um and i think that is happening in the yoga community as well where we are breeding yoga teachers at a at an alarming rate <laughs> but we don't we don't have enough refuse for them to consume and so we're cannibalizing ourselves in a way that's a very good analogy <laughs> okay one last thing um where do you see the yoga practicing world what do you see it look like uh in 10 20 or 30 years I feel like there's so much information coming out, uh, so many studies, reputable studies, clinical trial results are coming out, uh, studies that have been going on for 10, 20, and 30 years now that's, that's feeding us information now that we're slowly beginning to become more credible. Yoga in itself is becoming more credible and a little bit less hippy-dippy. And I think as a result of this, more people are going to start coming into the yoga shala to learn more about it, about the health benefits. And uh, I feel like it's going to start popping up more in schools. And, or at least that's what I'm hoping. It's already beginning to be a part of corporate. Uh, a lot of corporations are bringing yoga into their their offices before work hours began or even at, at lunchtime or whatever. So I'm hoping to see more and more of this pop up because I think the, the future is positive in yoga. I don't think it's a, a trend. I don't think it's a passing phase that, that, that we're going to move on to something else next month or next year. I think it's here to stay and it's only going to grow. And, and uh, I'm excited about it. Excitement, I think, is good. Excitement with quality, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Kimberly. This has been a pleasure. And hopefully I will see you maybe in about a year or so. We definitely don't want to just cancel. We want to postpone our Yo Little Hummer Yoga Festival. So hopefully we'll see you in about a year next August. And if not uh, on the path chasing charades around. Yeah, true. We could just meet up in Miami again, I guess, too. <laughs> that sounds like a plan. Very good. Thank you so much, Kimberly. I uh, see you soon. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye.